curriculum integration is, like I say, it's all I've known really as I've started my teaching at Rotatuna. So it's simply to me, it's the way you teach. Um, I think the essence and the reason why I love it is that it allows kind of authentic learning to take place. Um, through collaboration of subjects, I think it allows students to apply what they learn somewhere outside of that subject area, which is something I don't think I really did much of it at my traditional school. You're listening to the Augmented Learning Podcast and Video Log. Stories from inspiring educators, leaders and influencers who are challenging the status quo. Today's episode is sponsored by My Study Series, an online learning platform supporting Kiwi teachers and students through NCEA. With the ability to track student progress and quiz results, data provided by My Study Series ensures teachers remain informed of how well their students are performing. Check it out now at mystudyseries.co.nz. Kia ora everyone and welcome to episode 47 of the Augmented Learning Podcast and Video Log, where you're able to grow, learn and develop by accessing high quality PLD when you need it most. I'm your host Carl Condoliff and today we're talking to Dan Popping from Rotatuna Senior High School. Now the theme of this episode was an integrated approach to teaching physical education. Dan goes into depth around how he does this and his experiences working in a really collaborative and forward-thinking environment. About a quarter of the way into this episode, I realized that Dan's only a second year teacher, and this just blew my mind because he speaks and discusses concepts and ideas in a way you'd expect an experienced teacher to. So sit back and enjoy Dan talking about all of the amazing things him and the Rotatuna team get up to on a day-to-day basis. So Dan, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, mate. Oh, it's good to be here. Hey, um, so you, uh, you're not at work at the moment, are you? You, uh, you're carrying a bit of an injury. No, uh, yes, yeah, so I'm on ACC leave at the moment. Um, doing my best to keep in touch with school and whatnot, but um, no, I've got a shoulder surgery in nearly June, so hoping to get back into the swing of things shortly. And how long? So how long have you been off so far? And I, I assume it was a rugby injury. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So I was pretty injured at the start of the year. Um, yeah, dislocated my shoulder. It was actually during a training, which is no good. So I didn't even get to have a um, during the game. But um, yeah, I've been off since, yeah, like I say, early June. So probably coming up two months, two and a bit months. So meant to return in September. We'll see how that goes. So hoping to get back maybe a little bit earlier. But we'll see. Um, so that must be really challenging when you know you're you're a young teacher. You're this, these are the formative years for your teaching practice and where you establish your routines and everything like that. How how are you coping with that? Are you putting anything in place to manage those that side of things? Um, yeah, so I've still got um, quite a lot of support from school, um, which is good. So still catching up with my PCT mentor um, and whatnot, which is good. Uh, I've been going in for the odd meeting um, just especially due to the nature of our school and, you know, we're in our formative years. 
Um, it's been good to get in and still keep up with the play. Uh, there seems there's always something changing and something new coming about. So being able to get into school and talk to people about kind of what's happening and keep up with the play has been really important as well. So um, yeah, that's been yeah, good. Nice. So before we before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about your teaching background and experience so far, um, and maybe just a few tidbits about your school and and the students that you teach there? Yeah, man, no worries. Um, so I guess I studied at Waikato University, um, where I did a conjoint degree in secondary ed and health, sport, human performance, um, and after that. I secured a permanent position at Rotatuna, um, and that was off the back of my final practicum in my fourth year, um, which was pretty cool. Um, and at that stage, the school was in their first year of being open and had a role of about 80 kids. So that looked a bit different in terms of practicum. I think I had a P class of seven students and three teachers. Um, so yeah, different experience altogether. Um, I started teaching there in 2018 at the senior high um, and at that stage they had um, introduced year 12s and had around 300 students um, and yeah since then the schools continue to grow to about 550 enrolled students this year um, and we're expected to get close to capacity in the next year or so um, but yeah so it's been a pretty exciting start to my teaching career being part of a foundation staff and I guess playing my role in what a 21st century school looks like. Um, and saying that our school's definitely a bit different um, to your run-of-the-mill traditional setup. Um, we have a pretty epic open learning space um, that kind of allows us to integrate across the school, not only in terms of curriculum content, but also actual physical learning spaces. Uh, we run a two-year level two course at Rotatuna, which is pretty choice. So that's our year 11s and 12s. Um, so our students get to skip level one and go straight into gaining credits towards their level two, um, which is pretty cool. And the fact that instead of spending, you know, five to six weeks per standard, we're able to assess that over a long period, normally around 14 to 15 weeks in a semester. Um, which is cool because it, like I said, it allows us to kind of explore more in depth the learning that surrounds those standards and kind of takes off the assessment pressure. Um, our school curriculum, um, that's split into three areas. We've got um, our advisories, projects and modules. Um, advisories are probably more commonly referred to as like your tutor groups or form class in your more traditional schools. Um, but probably what's different to most schools is the fact that this area of our curriculum is given equal um, weighting and importance to other learning modules. Um, and this is probably an aspect of our school that I really enjoy as it allows us to really build strong relationships with our students. Um, we, each advisory has around 14 students um, and it's kind of our job to guide those students through the years at senior high I suppose and it's really cool and see it as a really valuable part of um, learning at Rotatuna. Uh, we also have projects so that involves uh, students taking on some authentic problems that they have identified in the community um, and whether that be local or wider community that's up to them. Once again in smaller groups probably around your 15 to 20 students and um, these are fully student-led and driven by them. 
um, and staff simply there to support and guide the students through that process. Um, and then takes us on to modules, our learning modules. So that's kind of your, I guess, your classic learning area of our curriculum. Um, and these are co-curricular units that normally see two to three sometimes learning areas taught by two teachers. Um, and those are normally to a group of about 60 students. Um, and the idea is that the learning in those is fully integrated from content all the way through to assessment. And the modules themselves run for around 14 weeks. We've got two semesters, semester A and semester B. Um, and that's where the students yeah, gain their credits towards their level two. Um, and then we have a more specialised line for our year 13s in terms of pathways. But yeah, so we're pretty new and there's always plenty going on at Road Eternal, like I said. Um, always trying to figure out the best way to cater to our students. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty exciting place to be at and pretty choice place to start my teaching career. Yeah, yeah, that's funny you mentioned that because I, I listened to you I listened to you speak and I think we met two thousand and must have been two thousand must have been last year that we first met down in um Dunedin, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and I think back to there I, I I sat into a I sat into one of your presentations and and I had I thought you were maybe a second year teacher then. And then I listen to you speak now and I listen to your passion and I listen to your um, your pedagogical knowledge, and I listen to the things that you're saying, and I think you've you you might not realise it now. Oh no, you probably do realise it, but you're, you've started your career at at such an innovative school, and it's going to set you up so well for your future career. And I think back to my first two years teaching, and I, I started at Wellington High School, which um, it was probably an innovative school before innovative schools were things, and I I think the 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 teaching gods every day that I managed to secure a job in the school that was so far ahead of of the game at such a, a an early time for me um, because it has laid the path for me in terms of my success as an educator and, and building my passion so you're really lucky and um, it's not often you hear a, a, a second year teacher teacher speaking the way that you are speaking so um massive pat on the back for you and it's obviously a school that works for you it's a school that's doing all the right things and you're you're really bought into yeah. that which is awesome i've i've heard you say um I've, I've heard you say that what you love about working at rotatuna is is it's a school that's at the forefront of education so can you define what that means to you like what does forefront mean to you and how does rotatuna meet that yeah, definitely. So that's yeah, probably how I probably how I'd describe um, yeah teaching at Rotatuna. I think for me, what that means is that we're always trying something new. We're always trying to, um, I guess, be the best there that be the best educators there that we can be for our students. Um, and in that, where I feel like Rotatuna and the staff there are not afraid to kind of shake up the game a little bit and try. I guess the new things that are coming out of um, education and kind of um, across the board, um, even like going to, uh, you know, PENS conferences and stuff, it's always kind of encouraging to go there and share our story because, like I said, I've been a, um, I started my teaching there. I kind of just think that it's the norm, um, what we do at Rotatuna. So going and talking to some other teachers around their struggles and what they're, 
is happening at their kura. It's um, pretty exciting and pretty uh, almost ignites another passion in me um, to realise what we're actually doing here at Rotatoon is pretty awesome and pretty yeah, cutting edge in terms of our approach mm. to learners and how they learn best. Mm. So shoulder injury aside, how has your 2019 yeah. been so far? Like, at, Has it been good, bad, biggest high, lowest low? And, and how is it shaping up to yeah. finish? Um, yeah, so 2019 um, started off pretty pretty cool, pretty epic. Um, like I say, there's always always something new going on at Rotatuna. So we almost doubled in staff at the start of the year, which is pretty cool. We've got a um, really cool team across the board. Um, and yeah, I had some pretty epic modules um, at the start of the year, um, involving some pretty rad trips away. I ran a, um, yeah, two, two main modules, one a English slash health module, and then also a um, outdoor eat and social studies module. So we got to go away on some bush trips for that, um, which was pretty epic. And the, also the co-teachers that I was uh, taking those classes with were definitely um, what you call passionate teachers and pretty, we had some pretty exciting and cool contexts and um, assessments actually fall out of those, which was pretty awesome. Um, in regards to yeah, finishing strong, like we said, I've been on ACC leave. Uh, since July, so I've uh, actually, I guess you'd say I'm ready to come back in hot um, with a couple of months of pent-up teaching energy, but um, yeah, definitely keen to get back in there and um, look at what I can offer for the rest of the year. What's what's taken up most of your time while you've been on ACC? I'm curious. Don't say gaming. <laughs> I, actually, um, I tried to, because I'm not your classic gamer, I um, tried to give it a go. I was about a week into my my post injury, and I thought I'll get the place. I actually got the PlayStation off my brother, and I said, "Oh, give it a go." Downloaded a couple, of, I think NBA Two K and whatnot, and no, nah, it just wasn't for me. Eh? So I spent about two or three days doing that, but it was a no go. So uh, I've been doing quite a bit of reading and stuff, uh, which is always good. Uh, probably not as much as I should be. I've been plenty of, spending plenty of time on the exercise. Um, I've actually got a, yep, got a marathon. Uh, I'm going to do the New York Marathon in November. So trying to keep the base fitness up while I'm not actually hitting the roads. Um, so yeah, that's still been probably a goal that I've been working towards while off my um, off work. So yeah, plenty of time on the exercise cycle. You're, you're hoping to do that this November or next November? November. So um, I think it's under three months now. So yeah. But yeah, oh, easy, easy. So I've actually just been given the go ahead to start on the treadmill. So nice. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. So we we're, we're coming off the back of a, a pretty good pens conference um, mm. that you were that you were there as well. What were your key takeaways and and if you could take one thing from that conference to implement this year, what would that be? Yeah, um, pens. Yeah, it's always great. It's always a hoot. Um, and I always, yeah, always take so much gold away from pens. Um, I guess for one, I always take away heaps in terms of like simply networking with other, um, teachers and educators and the like, um, just chewing the fat. Um, and even within like our own department, we, you know, we always leave those type of conferences, um, a little bit closer and a bit more of a spark. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, uh, one thing I've, I'd take away, um, I really enjoyed the fa- one of the family planning workshops I went to on sexuality education. 
as well as um, David Shank's keynote around censorship, I thought was really interesting. Um, and there's some really interesting facts and just content across the board that they shared um, that probably will mould the way in which I approach sexuality, Ed, in the future. Um, you know, I think sexuality, Ed, uh, is something that we have to continually kind of look at and how we approach, um, especially with the way, like David Shanks was talking about, the way the internet has exploded over the last decade. Um, and that obviously will have some probably drastic effects on the health and um, well-being of young people. Um, so I think, yeah, hearing David Shanks talk about how important it is to educate students around these issues um, was really encouraging, although I did kind of leave it thinking, well, it's pretty heavy. Um, I think it was really encouraging just in terms of thinking about what we can do and how important it is that we really think about equipping our students with the ability to critically engage with the content that they come across, um, especially with the internet, um, and how we shouldn't really be trying to teach them what to think instead. I think what I came away from that is we should probably be teaching them how to think um, for themselves. So yeah, I think um, across the board, some really cool workshops, um, but yeah, I really enjoyed David Shank's talk on um, his role as the chief censor and um, got some real good stuff from that family planning uh, workshop as well. So Yeah, yeah I, I fed back to my department and I didn't really get past David Shanks and yeah. and his yeah. discussion around that and also um, my I went into the session with Amanda Hargraves and, and we talked a little bit about um, sexuality in there and those were the two um, probably most meaningful yeah. sessions for me in terms of the state of the nation and society at the moment yeah. and and you know I was just reading before we jumped on this podcast about um, an 18-year-old in Auckland, I think it was in Auckland, who has just been discharged without conviction after admitting raping two young girls, yeah. because simply because he is a stunning and international-level athlete, and it's it's really sad. And I, I think we're in a really crucial and critical time in society that we need to change the way we approach things. And like you you mentioned, getting away from telling them what to do and instead encouraging or facilitating them to make their make better choices for themselves mm. and learn how to think about those topics and the content that they're digesting and how that yeah. impacts them. Um, so that's, that's really nice to hear. Um, but I, I still think, I, I feel, I don't know about you, mm. I, I feel a lot of that stuff when I go into those, it just feels like way above my pay grade. What, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I, we, yeah, I had a conversation with, um, a couple of other staff from our school around that exact thing. We're actually lucky enough to have a English teacher with us um, at conference as well. Um, just to we our our workshop we ran was around the integration side of things, so she was down there, and we had this had a big chat around yeah the I guess the weightiness of that type of mm. content, and then how we are as, I guess, educators, you know, we've got all this time with students um, and whatnot, how it is kind of our role to, yeah, I suppose, facilitate that thinking for them. Um, but, yeah, definitely you did leave that going. Yeah, that's a pretty heavy topic to kind of unpack. But, yeah. 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 And I think it's something that has to really be brought in across, like brought into across the board in terms of your school and your community as well. 
Um, you know, it's not something that you can just leave up to, uh, you know, a couple of lessons in a year. Um, I think it's something that probably has to, you know, you have to go back and it's a conversation with your community and with your whanau of your students and with the other curriculum teachers at your school about how to tackle those type of things. Because it's something that I don't think necessarily has to only be covered in health either. I think, um, you know, English teacher, like example, um, perfect platform to talk about that type of stuff in media or um, publications themselves, you know, what that looks like, has looked like in the past and um, even just looking at that kind of role of the censorship and um, whatnot that David Shanks does and how that affects society and how that affects peers and their peers. And, uh, yeah, pretty big, though, pretty massive. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to think of um, in my in my current uh school system and the group of staff like i completely agree with you that it should be across the board it can't be tokenistic it needs to be embedded and mm. the, the more embedded that can be within a school the better off that would be but i can just imagine some of my teachers in my school going up to them and saying hey uh uh do you want to cover this this sexuality concept around media and i'll just be like what no thank you no thank you but um i i, I find i find the sessions are like i love of, of all the, the lessons I teach at school, sexuality seems to be the only topic um, and whatever um, concept within that that we're discussing, it seems to be the only one where I can quite comfortably go up to the front of the classroom and sit there and, and stand there and, and talk and engage with my students in a real meaningful way mm. than any other concept we teach in phys ed, whether it's biomechanics or interpersonal skills. I can yeah, just yeah. get up there and talk. And the kids are so engaged yeah. because... For a lot of them, particularly at a school like mine, where we have quite a, um, a strong Pacifica cohort, um, they when you when you factor in a lot of um, their religious beliefs and stuff like that, they tend to miss a lot of this learning. So they they yeah. just like well, they're like sponges; they just take it all in, and it makes it as a as a teacher that's really exciting and fun. Uh, and, and yeah, like you say, um, I'd fully agree with that. As soon as you start talking sexuality education, you know, you've got 99% of the room fully engaged. Um, and yeah, I think what that boils down to as well is, you know, that I think students are actually hungry to learn more about, you know, what sexuality means, what sexuality education is, because probably historically it's been quite a hush-hush subject um, and one that's kind of just been breezed over. Um, and I think, you know, even off the back of what David Shanks was saying, like it's out there, it's definitely out there. And kids are being exposed to so much um, at from a young age. You know, he talks about, you know, the if we take pornography, for instance, um, the fact that, you know, kids are getting exposed to that from the age of eight. So, of course, they're wanting to talk, to talk about it by the time they're 15 because it's something that's so, you know, ingrained in kind of their day to day. Um, and so having those those talks around those subjects is I think is really important from um yeah an educator's point of view because they do want to talk about it they're engaged so why not mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about curriculum integration and you've touched on it uh, a few times and and I think that's that's really cool that you took an English teacher to a pens conference um and it shows that that in itself shows how much your yeah, school yeah. values this process and um, and how serious they take it. But in your own words, can you, for the for the audience, define 
curriculum integration and why you think schools or teachers should be considering it? Um, yeah, I think curriculum integration is, like I say, it's all I've known really as I've started my teaching at Rotatuna. So it's simply to me, it's the way you teach. Um, I think the essence and the reason why I love it is that it allows kind of authentic learning to take place. Um, through collaboration of subjects, I think it allows students to apply what they learn somewhere outside of that subject area, which is something I don't think I really did much of it at my traditional schooling. Um, for instance, we see you know students applying what they've learned in physics to the understanding of biomechanics or vice versa, um, which I think is really valuable because it gives that real world kind of feel to learning. Like, I think if you're getting students asking why are we learning this, then and you can't answer that, then that's where we kind of get into trouble. But I think integration um, allows for you to go, look, this is why we're learning it because you can apply it to this context or this, um, you know, other subject area, which I think is really cool. Um, and in addition to that, I think there's heaps of practical elements of curriculum integration and co-teaching um, that also kind of make a pretty cool environment for learning. Um, even just the practicals of having a, another teacher in the room to co-manage the learning area and learning space. Um, you know, you can be teaching up the front of the class while the other teacher's, you know, telling someone to get off their phone or telling the person, or just even just being by the person that normally talks, um, you know, allows allows you to teach while someone else is taking care of those small issues that could sometimes lead to, um, the rest of the class, you know, being distracted or whatnot. I think one of my favourite things to do um, in a co-teaching space is getting students to teach me um, content from the other subject area um, and kind of embracing that whole idea of ako. Um I think there's something really valuable about a student teaching you something, even, like, even if you do know the answer, um, because all of a sudden they're able to teach you and articulate what they've learned already. Um, and I think that's a cool learning device in itself. Um, I think another positive is the ability to integrate assessments across the two subject areas. Um, I think this naturally reduces the emphasis that we put on assessment um, and kind of gives students, um, I suppose, once again, that authentic space to put their learning into action. Um, and I mean, you can, when done well, you can put two standards together over 14 weeks into one assessment. It's pretty choice. Um, I think also probably, oh, this would probably be the key thing I like about it is that um, when you're co-teaching and integrating subjects, you get to get real creative um, and kind of your ideas run rampant. You're able to get into those cool conversations of how things could work and what the learning might look like. Um, you come up with some pretty cool ideas when you've got two brains in the room. Um, and so like those ideas that would normally take hours to come up with um, by yourself, you can normally come up with in minutes because you're just spitballing ideas with another passionate educator, which is pretty choice. So yeah, I guess collaborative teaching um, is definitely the go for me, um, like we've said. And I'm also hugely extroverted, so having another person to vibe off in the class I think only brings out the best of me. 
um, and you're able to have a bit of banter between yourselves and it just makes the whole teaching process pretty enjoyable. So yeah, definitely definitely a advocate for curriculum integration and co-teaching. Yeah, I, and it, like you keep touching on authenticity and I think that's it. I think when, we, when we're in the real world, we're not in isolation. We're working with others. Yeah. We are solving issues from all different angles. Like I, I and just I was just thinking of a, a learning process, and for me to learn how to do a podcast, I, I can't just be some yeah. sort of specialist. I have to have the knowledge to um, uh, come up with the questions. I have to build my understanding of interview techniques. I have to know the technology side of things. There's a whole lot of things that have to come together for that to be a successful and positive experience. Yeah, exactly. Yet when we teach when we teach in isolation, when we are in our silos, we are just seeing one small snapshot of the world and that's not realistic and it's mm. it's not authentic. It doesn't create good meaning for the students. It's just learning in isolation, which doesn't yeah. really happen anywhere else. So um, I'm looking forward to in uh, 20 years time seeing uh, Principal Dan Popping of Rotatuna <laughs> Senior High School. Um, you might have a job for me, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, we'll see. So, in in a nutshell, for you at your school, can you can you explain the process of integration from say the inception of an idea? You know, we talked about spitballing all yeah. those ideas with another teacher through to the delivery of a lesson. What does that look like? Yeah, yep. So, um, yeah, like I said, naturally you um, find yourself in the staff room kind of spitballing these ideas with um, colleagues um, from other learning areas and you do a bit of dreaming and imagining of, you know, imagine if we did this together or, oh, we could do that together and um, whatnot, which is pretty fun. Um, so, yeah, once you do that dreaming and dreaming up these ideas, you normally uh, let your head of department know and they're the ones who put the pairings together in the end of the day. So, um couple of weeks out from each semester you'll get given your pairings um so you do have some say in what you'd like to do but occasionally you get you know given something else um and then yeah you begin planning out and identifying kind of the context you're going to teach to um almost like the theme to your module i suppose and from there you discuss kind of the standards and how they could fit into the context and the ways in which the assessments might integrate that you're looking at um yeah you pitch your context to the students um from there so you write up a little blurb kind of talking about um yeah i guess the theme and the way that the module might be going uh heading in um yeah just a real emphasis on kind of i suppose not exactly you know you don't go and you say this module is a maths and a pe standard and that's it mm. um, you kind of give these big, uh, I guess, it's almost like reading the back of a book, giving them the highlights and what this module could look like. Um, and then, yeah, from there, um, because the modules are so hugely student-driven, um, although there is content that you need to cover and um, be taught, I normally don't like to plan too far ahead um, to allow for that flexibility with the students. Um, which means that most of the time what I like to do is, uh, in terms of planning lessons, is sit down um, alongside my co-teacher and normally sit down weekly and go through what the next week or two could look like and um, normally base that on where the students are at and how they're progressing. But 
I mean, it's not, it's, it's happened to me before where I've gone into a module with another teacher and we've had this big kind of plan set out. And then by the time we get all our kids together in the same room, we've actually decided, oh, with these students, maybe we'll go down this track and kind of, well, we did fully change the PE assessment that we were planning on doing from the start. So, yeah, the planning side's a little bit um, different, I suppose, in terms of, like, you don't sit down and you nut out a 14-week unit plan. Um, yeah, it's definitely flexible. But, yeah, I think the most important thing um, in terms of curriculum integration and how that process works is finding that mutual um, content that you can cover as two subject areas. The thing I love most about what you said then was, and I I love playing this game, but it's that dreaming and imagining. And I love playing yeah. this when Lotto Powerball has hit 25 million and you go <laughs> buy a ticket and then you spend two hours dreaming and imagining what you could do if you had unlimited possibility. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. what um, this opportunity presents when you pair up with a passionate teacher from another learning area and you think about all the opportunities and you do this dreaming and imagining. And it's when I think to being in a siloed environment where it's me and my classroom and I start thinking about what and what a unit of work could look like, it's mm. very, um, you start hitting walls really quickly. You start yeah. hitting barriers. Well, I can't do that or I can't do this. And, that's too challenging. But when there's two people and and you 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 place this dreaming or imagining emphasis on it, I, I, I think the sky would be the limit and you'd really be in a position where anything is a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's partly the, why I love teaching at Rotha Tuna so much is it's just every 15 weeks, you know, you get this new chance to try something totally different and you get a new chance to, you know, spitball and put these big ideas into action and um yeah I, I like I feel like maybe I don't know maybe in a traditional school it'd be fine but in a traditional school I feel like I could maybe get bored doing these you know athletics in term one swimming in term two or however it works um I think it's real cool how we do just get to each 15 weeks have these cool brand new ideas come out and teach to those so yeah that's why I definitely enjoy it I'm I'm keen I'm keen to know what's the what's the best de silo story you have, uh, kind of like a time where you were in this process you were doing your modules and you just went oh my gosh, this is the things we can do with this process and this approach is just mm. blows my mind. What do you have a story where you just like kind of clicked and were like this is amazing this is me this is me forever. Yeah. yeah. Um, for me, I think there would be have to be one of the maths modules that I did do last year. Um, initially, trying to find that context um, to teach it was quite hard. Um, like you know, we had some ideas, but none of them were really clicking or gelling as well as kind of what you hope for. Until I mentioned the idea of rock climbing, um, and which was a sport that my it was actually it was an idea of my head department Amy at the time. She said, "I oh, want you." talk to Andrew about, um, you know, doing rock climbing because he's really into rock climbing. Oh, yeah, it's not a bad idea. So I said, hey, what do you think about rock climbing and fitting that into our module? Um, and, yeah, he was hugely passionate about it. Eh? He, from the get-go, he's like, really, you think we can do rock climbing and math? And I was like, yeah, I'm sure we can make it work. And he definitely tried to make it work. And so, yeah, he pretty much ran the show from there because um, he was, you know, he was the expert in both fields of maths and rock climbing. 
And so, yeah, half the time I'd be teaching some of the rock climbing content. And before I knew it, he was in there telling stories of his own experiences and letting me know what I was saying was either legit or not so legit. Um, so, no, that was really cool. It just really showed the importance of, um, I guess, yeah, finding that mutual passion when teaching with the other teachers. Um, as it naturally, like, the, his passion spilt out onto the kids and it was a epic, epic module. Um, and I think if I'd chosen to base that module on something else, you know, I don't know, football or netball or touch, I don't think I'd ever have got the same buy-in as what I did um, by choosing rock climbing to be the context there. And, yeah, like I say, the kids loved it and we had an epic 15 weeks together where, um, yeah, most importantly, we saw some pretty deep learning take place just because they were so engaged and um, amongst it. But, yeah, in terms of de-silo success, I guess it shows that just because someone isn't in your PE department, it doesn't mean that they don't know a thing or two about sport, health or physical activity. Because um, he was probably, yeah, I was probably just the teacher aide in that situation. <laughs> um, he was pretty onto it. So, so we what we've done so far is we've we've painted a really positive picture of curriculum integration. But you know, I've been there. I've been a sport and education school. I've been a part of Wellington High School when they were cross curricular, and I know that it's not always a pretty picture. So. What are what are the biggest challenges that you've experienced so far with this approach to teaching? Um, I think, to be honest, the biggest challenge of, I guess, sustaining this approach to teaching is finding ways in which you can seamlessly integrate each um, individual lesson. Because I think it can be easy to slip back into the forty, you know, the forty-five minutes of math and then forty-five minutes of PE. Um, but, you know, we know that it's so much more beneficial to the students if we do have that seamless integration. And I think that does partly boil down to, you know, finding the planning time with the other co-teacher and getting these ideas um, together and planning the best lessons that you can for the students. Um, so, yeah, I'd say in busy periods, sometimes it's easier to fall back into that, um, you know, you take this time for your subject, I'll take this time for my subject and we'll just do it on the day. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the best lessons are definitely when the students don't know whether they just did PE or just did maths or just did English. They just know that we've learned something in the end of the day. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think that's probably the trickiest thing to keep on top of, but yeah. And, and there are other challenges just, you know, that fall out of, I think probably just normal teaching challenges, but it's, yeah, it's teaching, I suppose. I think, what what about this whole co-teaching process when you're a relatively young and inexperienced teacher? Is there, and let's say you're working with a really experienced teacher, does do you find that intimidating in terms of working together as a team and, hey, maybe we've fallen back into that, um, that siloed approach and, hey, you know, we didn't lift our game. Like, is there any intimidation there or you feel nervous about trying to keep everybody accountable and that sort of thing? Um, I think, I think because of the way that, uh, I think due to the fact that, you know, this approach to teaching or the, all the school in itself is so young as everyone's almost on a equal playing field anyway. Um, and, and the staff at Rotatuna are truly, um, they are amazing. Like I've never had any issues like that with any co-teachers in terms of feeling intimidated or feeling like, you know, they have so much more years experience than me. Um, 
and I think that, like you touched on, that accountability side of things is also a really um, cool part. Although sometimes it can be, you know, annoying. A really cool part of um, that approach to teaching as well, and the fact that you are always accountable to that other person, so you do always put your best foot forward. Um, just because you know you want to look like a good teacher, you want to, you know, you want to be doing your best job um, and showing them that you know what you're doing. So I think that accountability things also probably the students get a lot from that without even really thinking about it because we do always try keep each other accountable and make sure that we're doing the best for them. So you're you're coming to you're coming to the end of your second year. What what I want you to think about now is is rewind two years what what's the best advice that you have for yourself as a first year teacher what what would you go back and say to yourself starting your career at Otatuna High School what what information what advice are you going to give yourself um I think pretty much it boils down to putting your hand up if you need a hand um you you know you're in your first year and you're not expected to know everything um and if you're if you do pretend you know everything, um, you'll find yourself, you know, in a, in a pretty tricky situation, um, and it won't get you anywhere. Um, so yeah, I think asking for help when you're unsure of what to do or how to do something, or if you simply just feel swamped or you know under pressure, um, nine times out of ten, the people around you will toe tackle you and you'll be sweet. Um, but yeah, I think it would just I'd just say look after your whole order, and you know we we teach it all the time. Um, but I think as teachers, we're probably the profession that neglects it the most um, and neglects our own fuddy. So, yeah, I think just being honest, um, I probably found myself in a situation last year where I was just trying to be, you know, a good, best, the best teacher. Um, whereas, in fact, it would've, I would have done a lot better if I just said, hey, I don't quite understand this or I'm finding this a bit tricky. Can I have a hand? Because um, there are, like I say, always people that are there to give you a hand. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, just looking after yourself, um, making sure that you, you know, keep things real. Yeah, I, th- I think that's good advice, and for any any new teacher out there, I, I 100% agree with what what you're saying, Dan. And it mirrors a lot of the advice I give my um, my young teachers. And that first one that I really like is is just put your hand up for everything because. Yeah. When you're, when you're that young and you're new to the profession, when you put your hand up, whether it be for coaching a sports team or jumping on a subcommittee to look at um, a change to the curriculum, for example, um, that's when you're going to learn. And also, on top of that, it puts you in a position where people see you taking action. Mm-hmm. because, And it, for, for a lot of people, it's not always about this, but I still think it's an important consideration that at some point, you're going to want to put your hand up for a role that could be um, a leadership role. It could be something that comes with some time release. It could be something that comes with a management unit. And if you're the person that has been putting your hand up, then that puts you straight to the front of the line. And, you know, I understand for some people it's not about all of that and it's just about being a good teacher and that's awesome. But also when you're putting your hand up, you are learning more about education. You're learning more about pedagogy and all of that. So um, that's really important. Looking after yourself is really important too. Um, You know, we should all be able to unplug uh, from teaching. I know it's really hard. I take a lot of my stuff home and that's no good for myself or or my family, but it's, it's, that's unfortunately 
the profession that we work in and that has to happen sometimes but as long as you have those strategies within your um your life that allows you to unplug and maybe if you go to the gym or you play social sport or you meditate or you yoga or you play playstation which i don't do anymore um <laughs> you know that's that's really powerful for looking after your order so um really really good advice there um, before we get to the last question, um, is there anything I might have missed that you want to mention or is there anything that you want to ask me? No, I think we're pretty good, mate. But, yeah. No, um, yeah, I think we've covered most things. Pretty good. Oh, that's good. That's good. I've I've got my notes here. I've got my notes and um this last question says this quest, this question is secret and I don't have anything here and I'm trying to think what it was. But I remember now because you're the, I was speaking to an, an unnamed member of your department and she was sending through me through all these questions yeah. and um, one of them stuck out and <laughs> apparently apparently you're you're quite the F45 expert I hear. Uh, yeah, well, I, I was yeah I did do some coaching F45 for a while there. Um, don't what, tell us all about tell us all about that like uh, what some sort of CrossFit hybrid or, yeah, or what? So I'm not there anymore actually, but um, yeah. So it's I guess it's a um, uh, your high intensity interval training. Um, so I did do it as a bit of a part time gig, um, which was pretty cool. Um, I was actually quite because it in Rotatuna was was where their 45 was based. Um, had a lot of you know both teachers from school and students parents at the uh, gym that I was running. So that was always good to put them through their paces. But yeah, I suppose it's um, your classic high intensity, 45 minutes, do a workout, turn up, get a sweat on and then cruise home. Um, but yeah, it's cool. You have to take a selfie too, right? At the end, you yeah, take yeah, a selfie. Definitely, like that. definitely a uh, Instagrammable gym. Um, <laughs> for sure. um, so if you don't take a selfie of yourself after one of those workouts, I don't think the workout actually counts for anything. So. No, not at all. Um, but yeah, I, I did, did really enjoy doing that um, as a kind of side gig to teaching as well. And I, it's, I'm yeah. looking at you um, into doing some more personal training type of things just to almost, yeah, like you say, get away from the teaching and get into that, um, I guess, physical activity stuff, which I enjoy so much. Um, but yeah. And that's, I think that's the um, one of the one of the benefits of our career, and I think not enough teachers are doing this. Mm. Um, and that's we have 13, 12 to thirteen weeks paid leave a year, mm-hmm. where you can uh, invest in yourself, whether that be um, upskilling, learning, or starting a business or offering a service. We have that mm. availability to do that, and. When you can do that, it just it just improves your skill set, and that helps in the long run when we're in front of our um, in front of our students as well. So I think more people should be doing stuff like that. So all power to you. Yeah, but but just just on that, I I think um, I'm going to go back to what I said at the start of the episode, and that is you come across as a a, a seasoned um, educational veteran that has so much experience behind you and the way you talk. And the way you explain these concepts and these ideas and um, I think a lot of people who listen to this are going to be motivated by your passion and your enthusiasm and also your knowledge around curriculum integration so a massive pat on the back um, to you and it sounds like you have a really um, big career ahead of you so I, I wish you all the best for that because um, I think it's going to be awesome I think uh, our, 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 our students our tamariki are, are 
so lucky to have teachers like you in front of them in the classroom just sharing their passion and stuff like that so once again thanks for coming on the podcast um i'm going to make sure i put your contact details and and your twitter <laughs> handle and everything out yeah, there, um, there. <laughs> yeah, i'll hunt out your instagram as well no yeah, i won't do that but yeah i really appreciate you coming on on the podcast mate it's it's been good